Welcome back to another episode of Let's Face the Facts. So happy that you tuned in. I'm your host, David Almeida. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and this is my podcast where every week I sit down with an actor or artist friend and we watch an episode of the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Then we hit record and we get to talking about the show, about stuff that's related to the show, stuff that's not related to the show. We just talk a lot. This week, my guest is Matthew Arter. Yes, he's a friend of the show. He's back again. And I did bring him back, actually, with uh, some strategic purpose behind it. Um, We've been talking about how season two keeps going for more serious issues, how every episode seems to feel like a very special episode. Well, this week's podcast is definitely a very special episode. Because we watch the um, Facts of Life show that deals with suicide. And that's a subject that hits very close to home. Because in Orlando, we had a young actress named Stacy Fulford, who was a good friend of Matthew's, a good friend of mine, and, and many, many other people in the theme park and the theater communities. Um, Stacy took her own life back at the end of 2017. So a little over a year ago. So I decided I didn't want to introduce a new guest talking about this subject and inevitably wanting to personalize it and bring Stacy into it. And it occurred to me that Matthew would probably be the perfect combination of laughter and tears. After listening to the show, I have never felt more certain that I made the right decision. We do have a couple of cry moments, uh, but I promise we don't stay there for very long. It was just important to me to address Stacy and the, the loss, but I didn't want it to wallow in misery and get overly dreary or depressing. So I am I'm really, really happy how it turned out. So let's let's just get to listening to it, okay? The episode we watched is season two, episode ten, entitled Breaking Point, and the original air date was January twenty-eighth, nineteen eighty-one. Let's jump on in. This is me with Matthew Arder. What did that give you? Did that give you anything? Yeah. I'm there. not going to talk in a nasal voice this time. You're... I'm not going <laughs> to. I know that it's going to come out that way. <laughs> you... Even when I'm not talking in nasal voice. You have, you've said you tried to listen to your own shows. Yeah, can't do it. And you're like, you, you, you're like, you think... You, I sound you don't like, like a nasal old queen. But, like, <laughs> I think the same thing about me. And I'm well, like, but you are. What? That's the difference. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you, How sir? How dare you? <laughs> I am in. We're we've we've moved out of the studio. We <laughs> moved out of the office, and we are now in my. We're in my grand room uh, because we're trying out a new microphone configuration. How liberace of you to have a grand room. A grand... <laughs> and it is a grand room, I will tell you. It, it, couldn't, it couldn't fit a grand piano in it. No, yes, it could. Yeah, it's it could. just Nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, you have to eat around it. And... Yeah. Uh, we have... Uh, Matthew and I are emotional eating right now. Mm. I brought out some Oreo cookies. Because it's a day ending in Y. It's a... <laughs> I am going to talk as if I... Have had elocution lessons, oh, d- <laughs> and I will be speaking in a very full throttle voice. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm. I believe that's how you say throttle. 
throttle throttle <laughs> that's charlie's angels full throttle mm-hmm. that's a different that's a porn movie no i did see that one you yeah, did I've seen that. full throttle yeah, full throttle <laughs> but uh we do have uh we we've watched the episode of the show mm-hmm. we've already had a cry <laughs> we are now looking at these so m&m's has put out these new flavors mm-hmm. and we've got um because once again my craft services table, Paul Padilla, consists of M&M's and Oreos. No, stop. That is what I get. I just fed Hope you. you enjoyed your mac and cheese. <laughs> Matthew shows up and I have, I, I made a lovely lunch for us. Yeah, and he finished it before I got her. It's like, oh, I just ate lunch. <laughs> and he's like. Here's some M&M's. He's like, you don't have to cook for me. He goes, David, it's a bit. Stop. And I'm like, it's. Not on my watch. No one goes hungry. No one wants food in my presence. So I, I bought these new flavor M&Ms, and like an idiot, I tore off the flavor corner of the label. These are um, some type of a coconut, like an island coconut. I'm out. With a peanut. You don't like island coconut? Coconut with a peanut? M&Ms. I think they think it's evocative of a macadamia. We could call it a pico nut. Pico <laughs> And then one of these is a toffee. Oh, jeez! It's a peanut. It's got it's got English English toffee, I think. Oh my God. And it tastes. It doesn't taste like toffee. It tastes like coffee. It's I'm weird. Out. So you don't want either of these? Well, I just I'm fascinated with. Uh, good lord, I do not need potato chips that taste like sausage and biscuit gravy. I, I, I don't need it. I'm a, I agree. I'm a purist. I like some plain old salty chips. I love a good Dorito. Yes. Um, which I served uh, you. What? Oh, yeah, I did get Doritos. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm posting pictures of the gourmet. Yeah. I got Notice my... I am not in the pictures holding a newspaper with today's date on it <laughs> to show you when I, that I, photo was taken. Matthew showed up and I was dressed as Howard in my <laughs> Chef Boyardee full cordon blue chef outfit. You Just... were dressed like a, a house boy when I showed up. <laughs> Because I've never been here during the day, so I didn't know which house was yours. So he texts me. I don't know where you're He's like, text me, which house is your? And I'm like, the same one you've always come to. And I'm like, fine. I literally had just gotten out of the shower. So I come running out in a towel. I'm like, you who right here. Duh. And if he had a nickel for every time he ran out in front of his house in a towel and went, you who right here. (laughs) God, I love you. Oh, sweet Lord Jesus. Well, Matthew, I am happy to have you back. It was a uh, significant anxiety brain process to figure out who I wanted to bring here to address the very special episode of Facts of Life as we're dealing with the difficult, to put it mildly, subject of suicide, because um, the entire theater community felt the shock waves. Forgive me for being kind of overly dramatic about this, but when our our good friend Stacy took her own life at the end of 2017, and um, she had been in, she had worked in multiple theme parks. She had worked in community theater. She had worked in professional theater. There are very few people who didn't know her and weren't devastated to. Uh, to discover that she had she, she had killed herself, and um, I debated whether I wanted to bring somebody new who knew her, if I wanted to bring somebody who didn't know her at all, and then I thought, do I want to introduce someone new to my threes of listeners on such a difficult subject where we may get a little bit weepy 
and stuff. And I thought, how about somebody that we already know is lighthearted and fabulous and hilarious and funny? <laughs> but he didn't show up. <laughs> no, stop. So then I was like, Matthew, get the fuck over here. Get to do a podcast. Shit. Um, so we are going to, I didn't even pick up my damn notes. What is the matter with me? Um, well, and I will just say, like you were giving Stacy's resume. There's not one person. She's she was she's one of those amazing people that nobody had a bad word to. Nobody was ever like, well, Stacy's a bitch, you know. I mean, every once in a while, I would those words came out of my mouth, mainly to her. Yeah, you know? exactly. No, but. Um, so when you say she worked with everybody and had, and I don't know anybody had a bad thing to say about her. True. And we should preface this with saying it's everything that comes out of our mouths is going to be very cliche in the fact that Stacy had everything going for her, what seemed like yeah. everything going for her. Gorgeous, beautiful. Wickedly talented. Wickedly talented. She was a quadruple quintuple threat. She could act, she could sing, she could dance. She was funny. She was an she improv could improvise. master for God, her age. She and was so fun to work Always with. up for anything. Like you were like, hey, let's go out and walk down the street and on our hands. She's like, I'm down. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. So it, anything. She, everything that we say about her is going to be sound cliche. And it's not just because she's gone, but I will say this. If we do get weepy, Stacy would be the first one to slap us in the back of the head. Yeah. Or throw something at us. Yeah. Or, just say, yeah, you know, like, Come on, throw a pencil at us. Or she used to sit <laughs> next to me and like a cat knock stuff off the counter just to piss me off. So yeah. I echo everything that you say. We'll talk a little bit more about her as we kind of get to it. But we will do our best. The, the goal who? is, huh? About who? <laughs> stop just just stop <laughs> always myself to, save it for the street Arter. save it for the Stacy would yeah no she would be the first to laugh she would be the first to 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 laugh along with us anytime we're able to make light of or find a joke or something or find some glimmer of non misery in in losing her it's it's crazy um, so let's get on with the episode. We're going to try to stick to the the framework as of the episode. As heavy as the material is, there are some pretty effed up things in this, is, yeah. this episode. <laughs> so. we, yeah. We, we were both crying we at the end. We still have critique. We still have, we still have some notes for the writers <laughs> and the casting directors. Don't you worry. <laughs> we hope they're listening. Yeah. I, I say go back in your time. I've, I've said writers, go back in your time machine. Fix that. And fix that, would you, please? Okay. Um, so let's get right to it. The episode is entitled Breaking Point. And um, we start with, in the cafeteria, Natalie has got one of those visible woman toy slash science, uh, one of those insufferable learning toys that were attempted to be foisted on us as children, as in, oh, this is a toy, but you get to learn something too. And I think these still exist. It's a clear human body where you position the organs and you uh -huh. learn about anatomy in the process. Uh-huh. And so Natalie is got... And it is the woman version. There is a man and a woman. Natalie is playing with the woman version. Why? You're... Uh-huh. Okay. Here's the thing. Uh -huh. <laughs> Quick story. Um, growing up in Fort Wayne... I'm so sorry. I know. I know. <laughs> 
once a year, it was um, the Macmillan Health Center Day. <laughs> I'm. I am already out. And, I yeah. fell asleep halfway uh, through. It was awful. That sentence. Um, <laughs> but like it was, you know, um, it was the '80s. So um, like first graders went and learned about like dental hygiene. Oh, you know, and you Lord. got a whole day about cleaning your teeth and stuff oh. like that. And Macmillan Health Center, like Macmillan in Fort Wayne, that name. It's like in the Music Man, Old Miser Madison, oh, Madison okay. Library, Madison, blah, blah, blah. Okay, Madison. okay, so yeah. The Macmillans. Raisin like, Overtures. Apparently, yes. yes. So you would go to the Macmillan Health Center, <laughs> and like third grade was about drugs and stuff, but yeah. fourth grade was when shit got real. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Fourth grade STIs. Sexed. Oh, was it? Like in a very 1980s fourth Ooh. grade level. Wow. Okay. So, and that was the first time they show you a video of a woman actually giving birth. Oh. All right. Lord. And I, to this day, I passed out. But to this day, <laughs> I did. I had to be taken out. But, <laughs> but to this day, I will never forget the woman standing up in front of this class of fourth graders going, we are about to watch a birth of a human. <laughs> Thank you. That's good. Because. I don't want to watch a cow. An alien. (laughs) But she says, I don't want to hear any snickering because the woman in this film has very large breasts. (laughs) (laughs) I don't Uh, even hear it. So they show the full body. They showed showed her Why? Yes, she's balls out naked. Why? Wow. (laughs) But here's the thing. This is what was the thing. You, you know you don't need to do that when you give birth, lady. But go <laughs> this ahead. This is when I passed out. Yeah. <laughs> because it wasn't so much about the size of her breasts. Yeah. It was the 80s. <laughs> oh. This film was from the 70s. <laughs> this woman was looked like she had a raccoon between her legs. <laughs> Like, if I were the teacher going back in my time machine, I would have said, I don't want any snickering at the size of this woman's bush. Because watching uh, yeah. a human come out through yeah. this hair pie, yeah. was, and Wait. then, like, this big squirt of something came out, and that's when I passed out. I don't remember anything yes. else. But I think we saw the same. That might have been the clip they showed on, like, there was this thing on, uh, we saw in high school called The Miracle of Life. <laughs> probably was it. It was probably it. But I remember it being older. I remember the woman was naked, come to think of of it and Bull. like but the thing is uh yeah the baby is born it's like oh the baby is born and then, then they get slimed yeah i couldn't eat oreos <laughs> and milk for years <laughs> after that but anyways oh. point of the story is after that you go into this huge auditorium where on a stage is tam a transparent anatomical model oh and she's like four stories tall right mm-hmm. tam <laughs> and like her her organs and she's just like what a, a miniature version that Natalie's playing with so her organs light up you know what I mean oh, this so is like, the pancreas this yeah, is the this intestines is the pancreas. Yeah. and it goes bing 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 and the lights are on well it's sex ed these are my breasts oh. bing 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 <laughs> and they lit up like a goddamn jackpot <laughs> on a slot machine <laughs> And, and you're in fourth grade, I'm and they're telling you grade. not to laugh. I have just woken up from watching a baby. <laughs> you're like, you pass up, wake up, ding, 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 again with the titties? I, really? I, 
Only imagine what the teachers are like. Oh, poor Matthew. Oh, <laughs> just can't even stand the sight of it. Like, <laughs> but we, I'm we sure suspected. on YouTube. We always suspect. Oh, there are videos. It's got to be on YouTube. Videos of Tam. Uh, from okay, we. I will. Center. I will look it up and I will. I will do <laughs> it on my breast. Bang. Bang. <laughs> Anyways, I'm sorry. So she's playing with Tam. That's so, all I yeah. can see the Natalie's whole time. Natalie's playing with a mini Tam. <laughs> okay. I love that story more than life itself right now. Um, then Tootie comes in in the lovely sitcom trope where the person does the fanfare and says, announcing or right. presenting a fact that is serving the plot of this episode and right. nothing else. Ta-da! Here's the plot point. Yeah, ta-da. Presenting. Uh, um, our new student council president, Blair Warner. And she's announcing it to Natalie. And Tootie. And Tootie. You all probably saw Blair get out of bed that morning. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and, and yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah. So we're talking like, I don't know who you think you're announcing this to. But anyhow, it comes out that, well, I haven't won the competition yet. Right. It is still yet to be decided. Um, and it comes out that there's this girl, Cynthia against whom Blair is running. And Cynthia is apparently uh, as much of a front runner as Blair is. Like she's as much of a favorite to win and is as popular and well-liked. And it is anybody's election. Like they really, really packed it on. Like Blair, what doesn't she do? Like in high school, I was in marching band. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, Blair <laughs> I paints. I wasn't... The painter. Yeah, I she's got the she's got the art show. The so she won the stick maker. Uh, prize. <laughs> we know that um, Blair. Um, yeah, she won that art prize oh, at the cousin Lord. Jerry episode. We know she's on the debate team. She's a stand up comic. She's she's a, a, she, a well. She does her vaudevillian. <laughs> well, I just feel like they really piled it on. Like, yeah, like these kids are busy. Yeah, they got a lot going on, and and they have to clean the toilets in the cafeteria. Seriously, on top of that. But I agree with you a hundred percent. It's like okay, we need some, we need a thing. So now Blair wants to be student council president. Um, so Mrs. Garrett comes in with. Do they address that in later episodes? Is she still student council president, or is this just for this episode? Probably not. Okay. I mean, I'll bet it does come up. We will, of course, monitor this and see. We will bring you the breaking news as it happens, mm-hmm. listeners. Um, Mrs. Garrett comes in with a ballot box, which we used to call a banker's box. Mm. It is one of those brown file boxes, letter size one direction, legal size the other direction, with the lid and the mottledy brown printing on it. So it's a very homemade ballot box. And Mrs. Garrett has it. She's She's got the ballot box. And um, she is uh, about to go upstairs. Does she go upstairs before or after we actually meet uh, Cynthia? It doesn't matter. She goes upstairs to count the ballots. No, she's there when Cynthia's there. That's right. Because we plant the seed that Natalie is going to be a journalist. Yeah, which is good because Natalie, we've already been kind of leaning toward that anyway. That's a good thing. And, and they stick with that for a while about Natalie being a writer. Like so all the way through. Bravo. Right to her backdoor pilot that no one wanted. Um, so Natalie is like, yeah, let me get a let me get an interview about the election. And Mrs. Garrett's like, well, we've got the ballots here. And she's like, no, I meant with the candidates, Mrs. Garrett. And she's like, oh, OK. Um, we also missed a subtle fat joke. Oh, Natalie. Please, please help us with the fat jokes, Well, that Matthew. pancreas isn't going to fit in that invisible woman because it's a liver. 
Joe says. Joe says, yeah. And she goes, how am I supposed to recognize a liver with no onions on it? <laughs> but um, So I know we say that they don't fat shame Natalie, but she does have a lot of food jokes. Yeah. Like, yeah. And we don't know there. anybody who has a lot of food obsessions about them. I don't I, know. I have I any. Don't. Never. Never. Are these Oreos going to... Okay. Yeah, they're still... <laughs> um. So we do meet, finally, Cynthia. Cynthia comes in with Mrs. Garrett. That's what happens. So they yeah. come in at the same time. Cynthia is played by a young actress named Denise Halma. H-A-L-M-A. She has five credits. Uh, and that is five too many. Um. Oh, bless. She is one of... I, yeah. I wrote down best actress that auditioned. Oh, dear. She's I, terrible. Oh, I was going to say, I don't think she's great. I don't think she's like Sue Ann terrible. She doesn't know where to look. She doesn't know what to... She's, she's so uncomfortable. And maybe they wanted that so that it was like, we want an actress who looks... We want someone who kind of looks like she's happy and popular and about to win an election, but who also might kill herself. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a that's a tightrope act, if ever (laughs) I heard of her. But she has five credits, including Facts of Life, uh, the Great American, the Greatest American Hero, Mm -hmm. William Cat Show, Private Benjamin, Happy Days, the TV show, Private Benjamin. Um, No, the movie, Goldie Hawn movie. It's yeah. According, I just quickly looked IMDb. I believe it's the Goldie Hawn poster that was there um happy days and square pegs (laughs) (laughs) don't choke on your oreo (laughs) and she's like i've reached the top i'm leaving hollywood yeah i'm leaving hollywood square pegs i work with sarah jessica parker um so we have this whole thing of me the best girl win but blair is confident and we learn that like the old american presidential elections the winner of the election with the most votes gets to be president, and the runner-up gets to be vice president. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so much nowadays mm-hmm. in our political system, last I checked. But the, um, the episode does have some bizarre allusions to the impending suicide, and some of them are comedic and mm-hmm. therefore uncomfortable because we know yeah. what's coming. Um, but there is a lovely moment where... All the hoopla happens. Mrs. Garrett, who, by the way, school dietitian, den mother, registered nurse, Mm -hmm. toilet cleaner for the Drummonds, now is also a fucking ballot counter. (laughs) What? Because you're dietitian. That's who you, who is involved in the student government, the student body. What the fuck, man? Um, So after everyone leaves, Joe and Blair are left alone. And there's a legitimate, nice frenemy moment where joe says you're really so overconfident about this aren't you like calling her out and blair does let the guard down and says well yeah i think i'm gonna win but i might not and i'm not sure what i'm gonna do how will and she says how will i save face by sitting on mine no that's what what joe says no that's not lesbian moment no that's not falling in love says stop and um joe acts out uh, I believe it is what is called harikari, the Japanese act of stabbing oneself mm-hmm. in, in order to, you know, when you when there's so much shame on you, the only way to Dishonor. say it, di- Yeah, dying with honor, mm-hmm. to kill yourself and die with honor. So Joe acts out harikari and, and moves the knife around yeah. her abdomen significantly so that Natalie has the ability to say, wow, you hit all the major organs. <laughs> nice little callback to Tam. Tam. What is Tam... 
Isn't Tam, like Tam Tam a, a food or a brand name or something? Why do I? Are you I, thinking of Tab? No, I know what Tab is, honey. <laughs> I mean, my grandmother told me what Tab yeah. was. It, it Tab never existed it's in like my Sarsaparilla. <laughs> we used to. <laughs> we'd get a tin type made mm-hmm. and those dream the, about the steam engine. Those were the days when saccharin was legal. <laughs> There was cocaine in Coca-Cola and saccharin in Tab. <laughs> but the deal is, um, yeah, the Harikari is kind of the, okay, we're, we're talking, we got yeah. su- suicide reference number one. And um, did we, I'm not sure if we fully prefaced this by saying, as a suicide, very special episode of a quote-unquote sitcom, mm-hmm. for the most part, it is okay. They don't do anything, I don't think, wildly inappropriate. They don't do anything so crazy off base that we were cringing or like, oh my fucking God. No. Several missed opportunities. Oh, totally. I think. Totally. But, and I don't know when you want to talk about those, but... Well, well let's hit them yeah. as we go. Hit them as okay. we go. Um, so we learn that one of Blair's platforms is she wants to change the school song. Mm-hmm. They try to create a little funny moment for Natalie... Uh, yeah. demonstrating that the high note of the school song is uh, unsingable and not not really a Natalie Wynn moment. Mm-mm. They're trying. Um, it didn't even crack Natalie up. Yeah. yeah even. <laughs> so you know it even, funny. E- if even Mindy Cohn isn't laughing at her jokes, yeah. She's doing really well lately. I she really her. is. Um, so Mrs. Garrett comes in with the results. I've got the results. And she's like, oh, God. She's everyone- been gone for about... Three minutes. Yeah. Well, we know Eastland has nine students, remember? Yeah, exactly. We've, we've never really clarified what the student body of Eastland is. Um, and somebody says, I hope it's not bad news. Yeah, like, remember in the old days, if the messenger brought bad news, they killed them. Mm-hmm. There's a joke of that, too. And it's like, Meh. And um, she says, lovely Blair moment. It says, Blair, now, regardless of the results, I hope you're going to handle them in a mature way. Right. And... What does Blair say? Blair says, how mature do I have to be? <laughs> Through gritted teeth. Yeah, exactly. Lovely. And turns out Blair has to be mature to accept her new role as vice president. Right. Blair did not win. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so that's the bad news. End of the scene. Probably there's a joke in there. Didn't write a note, so it wasn't worth it. <laughs> Next, we go into um, back. We're back in the cafeteria still, just it's later. Joe and Tootie are wearing their aprons. They are working. They're yep. doing stuff. We love when they have actual busy work that they have them doing. Uh, Tootie, uh, Natalie rather, is seated in profile, almost facing away from the audience. I don't know if she's working on schoolwork or whatever, but Natalie's just kind of there. I didn't notice her. I, exactly. It's. It's. I. I wondered if she was even there, and then she was. Um, Blair is moping, horribly moping. She is so. Completely forlorn. and uh... She is 80s sitcom moping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Joe is kind of eating it up a little bit, saying, yep, well, no matter what, you're still number two. And it was, Shit reference number one, people. It was during this scene that I realized, like, there's certain times when the girls are better than the writing. Oh. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, I was watching Nancy McKeon, and I'm like, oh, she's, she deserves so much better than this writing. Mm-hmm. But... I'm not mad at the writing a little bit, but I mean, it just, you watch this scene particularly really shows off the girl's acting skills and 
the kind of shit material that they're given. Yeah. Like we've all seen shows where people are better than the material. Oh, you know, I, we, we've been in shows mm-hmm. where people are better than material. I write shows where I'm better than the material <laughs> Wait, that I wrote. Um, Wait, never mind. Huh? Never mind. I don't what? know. <laughs> we do have a joke, a lovely nostalgia joke coming up here. Um, Joe, in trying to tell Blair, would you just, um, I, I don't know how the word charming comes into it, but, um, Blair does it well, easy for you to say. Your idea of charming is Sheriff Lobo. <laughs> and for those of you uh, who are not ancient, Sheriff Lobo was a television show. We on, used to have a tab. <laughs> <laughs> on NBC, go figure, they're plugging an NBC show. Um, yep. It was, you, you looked this up. I said I thought it was a spinoff of something. It was a spinoff of um, BJ and the Bear. Ah, oh, the wonderful Greg Evigan. Which I saw a video titled um, BJ and the Bear back in the 90s. Yeah, that was not but the same no, as the TV show. <laughs> I was like, this could run forever. But, um, <laughs> but it's a spinoff of that. And Sheriff Lobo was um, on the TV Guide's top 50 list. It was number 38 as the 38th worst show of all time. Yay! <laughs> NBC <laughs> us. NBC Nobody us. Did. No. And um yeah, cuz when you have a when you have a home run like BJ and the Bear, a dude and a monkey. Yeah. That was Greg Evigan. Was he I didn't How even did top that. I never watched the show. What was the premise? Was no, he like I have no a, idea. Was he like a crime-solving teenager? Was it like Shaggy and Scooby but live action I have no kind idea. of a thing? But anyway, um, by the way, little known fact, my best friend, Steve Miller, related to Greg Evigan. <gasps> They're like distant cousins. Steve's mother's maiden name is Evigan. Also the star of the wonderful My Two Dads. Oh, that's right. He did that afterwards. I forget that Greg Evigan was on My Two Dads. Um, sexy. Oh, um, fuckable. Get it. Yes, totally. If Greg, if you're listening. Yep. And you I know you are. still get it. Yes, absolutely. Um. It's the yellow house with the guy in the towel in the front yard. So <laughs> if you wanted to find us. Then. Oh, Jesus. Um, so, and did, I don't know, did I say the actual title of the show was The Misadventures yeah. of Sheriff Lobo? Did I, I don't know if I, I said know that. I don't know I'll fix that in the editing. So Cynthia shows up. Hey guys, is it too late for breakfast? And she's acting a little weird. So weird. She's acting, acting weird, but not, not with any intent. like a bad actress was told act weird yeah yeah weird you're weirdly acting weird sorry um, Cynthia. yeah so they feed her some breakfast Tootie ends up going into the kitchen and uh, and they're all of course all congratulating and that's great and you know uh joe gives blair a little pep talk and blair says about something about being joe says okay you need to be a good sport and blair yeah. says i am a good sport and joe says no you're a good winner being a good sport is losing and still being nice. It's a really nice, I, I, I'm misquoting it here, but it's a good good little um, juxtaposition. Good sport versus a good winner. Technically, <laughs> good sport is being a good loser. Um, so she produces, Tootie goes into the kitchen and produces some cinnamon toast and hot cocoa, I think. Mm-hmm. And typical sitcom trope, she doesn't eat a bite of Not it. Not a touch. Does not, not lay her hand, doesn't even sip the cup that has, we know, no liquid in it. And somebody hands me cinnamon toast. Oh, pfft, it's gone. I will be eating it. It's gone. So 
We're eating Oreos into microphones <laughs> when both of us bring her an oatmeal pie or something, mm-hmm. and she won't touch it. But someone put cinnamon toast in front of me. Hang on, Mrs. Garrett. I got to finish this cinnamon toast real quick. You can talk to me while I eat it. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Um, you don't have to lick the Oreo part like that for me. Did well, I'm not. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm, I'm what? Okay. Jeez. Not. Oh, you Seriously, kill me. Greg Evigan, if you could see what is happening. So Mrs. Garrett comes in with a newspaper. Oh, oh, before that, Cynthia gives Tootie a necklace. It's like a heart, isn't it? It looked to me like a Jewish star of David. No, almost. it didn't. Stop. And I have this under my missed opportunities, so I guess we'll talk about it later. We've never seen this girl before. No. And suddenly she's giving a giving a necklace to our Tootie, which is like, what? I think, it, yeah, it's, it looks we're like... We're looking at the tape as if it's a photo yeah, we're going, finish going to tape a horse here. race. It looks, like a, it looks like a heart shape with the sides cut out. It's almost like a... Like a fat fleur-de-lis kind of... I don't know what the fuck that is. It looks like a Star of David. It's not. <laughs> Stop. All five of you, it is very important that you understand what this is. Very, very like. important. Because <laughs> well, if it's a heart, that's weird. That's fucking weird. Well, the whole interaction was weird. <clears throat> it's true. Here, have a necklace. It symbolizes friendship and hospitality, doesn't she say? Yeah. Because you bought me some Because you bought me some cinnamon toast, so here's a gold locket. Yeah, because I, that I didn't eat. Um, so I don't know what the fuck that's all about, but, um, but the necklace is, it turns out to be important later. Um, then Mrs. Garrett comes in with a newspaper and apparently she has, she's found some news about Cynthia's rich dad. Who's a, a diplomat yeah, in that he's moving to Germany because those are the things that the New York Times reports about in Berlin in moving to Berlin, Berlin in Germany in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah, that's the place to be. Uh-huh. <clears throat> you think of Sprockets. We need more diplomats. <laughs> Send them all. And um, Blair is, of course, happy because she's like, oh, my God, are you moving away? Are you going to have to give up your post? I get to be president. Fuck yeah. Nope. And then Cynthia is like, oh, no, dad just wanted me to stay here so that I could, you know, uh, go to school and you know, go to dances, go to dances, you know, basically be a teenager Will you excuse me? I have to go to my room now. I'm expecting a call. And it's like she, it's, it's almost, she might as well have said, I'm, I'm expecting a call. Yeah, that's it. A yeah. call <laughs> from my mom. Yeah, my mom. That's the ticket. Like, yeah, we it wasn't, it. yeah. It's pretty, it's, it's, it is just weird. She's it's, not better than the writing. <laughs> I'm sorry. That would be an example. Yeah, the antithesis. God, I love her. Now we move on to the next scene. And we're in the kitchen. Um, Blair had, had just said, I'm going to go up and go back to bed. And they're like, it's nine o'clock in the morning. Why would you go back to bed? Well, Blair is just so down and moping. So they're like, how is Blair? She's up just, just staring out of the window. Oh, well, maybe that's an improvement. And they say, no, she has one leg hanging over the sill. <laughs> suicide joke number three, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. We've got to buffer you with a lot of jokes about suicide yeah. before... <laughs> We dropped the, the bomb. Um, so 
We uh, Blair comes down in a in a lovely robe that crosses her heart and therefore separates her gorgeous bosom. Yes. And, and how old is she? Before I get too graphic about she how is, great her tits look, she is seventeen. I'm so out. Don't... Never mind. Edit that. <laughs> Edit that. I did not just talk about how great Blair's tits looked because well, they looked amazing. Well, we talked in season one last. <laughs> we Here's the didn't. deal. I never would. I'm, I'm going to. Uh, bring this back to the show where um, Blair, she says, it's you need to bounce back. Okay, Matthew is the right? one licking an Oreo now. What, what are you I'm doing? Sorry, I was talking about Blair's titties. <laughs> I got like And I'm sure her areolas are as black mm. as an Oreo. Or that's there's your fantasy material right there, straight man who is listening to this, clearly <laughs> by accident and clicked the wrong podcast button. <laughs> but um. She says, you need to bounce back. And Mrs. Garrett says, that's right, Blair. Bounce, mm. bounce. And they couldn't film Joe doing that because she was masturbating. <laughs> Stop. But um, the deal is with the bounce, bounce. Actually, her breastuses were well supported. <laughs> Compared to season one. I, I turned to you and I said, no, that was season one. Mm. Season one is when they were fucking jiggling around like Suzanne Summers, And they're 16 and... I, she definitely had a bra on because they were just they were up, in position. They were high and dry kids. Not that I was thinking about a 17-year-old girl's bra at we, all. We are homosexual men. It is totally okay oh for God. us to be discussing totally. this. Yeah. Because we're um, talking about it from a costuming point of view. That's yeah. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, because of costumes. Yeah. Um, Not Joe. I don't want to like flick my bean to just play his titties. <laughs> that would be tacky and gross. <laughs> And inappropriate. David, stop eating the Oreo. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, so Mrs. Garrett says, Blair, it's not healthy to keep this all bottled up. What you need is a good cry. And of course, part of me is like, she's not keeping this bottle up. She's moping around. She's yeah. feeling her feels. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what this is, but it does set up a lovely joke where you need to have a cry, Blair. Go ahead. Have a cry. And you get Lisa Welchel hilariously and successfully <laughs> trying to make herself cry. And it's very funny. Well, you should um, add fart noises to that scene because <laughs> it really looks like she's trying to pinch out a fart. Like, you are so put wrong. That on the side, just that 30 seconds of her with like... <laughs> underneath it. I'll, I'll let you put that on YouTube, okay? If I knew how the computers worked, I would do it. <laughs> He doesn't know. He thinks he thinks we're doing this on real to real right now. We're not. No, no. Um, so Blair is not able to make herself cry. That's all fine. Natalie and Tootie have gone off to interview. Continuing with the journalism thing for Natalie, they've gone off to interview Cynthia. Now that she is the, it's like a continuing with this article. I want yeah. to interview her again or finish the interview. So. Tootie comes running back in. Mrs. Garrett, it's Cynthia. She's unconscious and there was a bottle of empty pills. Natalie went to get the nurse, but she was unconscious. And then Tootie is very, very upset. Mrs. Garrett is like, call the ambulance. Call, I'll, we'll, we'll take care of this, blah, blah. Uh, they've called the school nurse. Yeah. Who probably didn't think to call the ambulance yeah. or anything. So thank God the dietician is available. Yeah, thank God. thinks of these things. <clears throat> um. Well, she's a registered nurse, so technically, if <laughs> what, so, she's just going to walk in and be like, "Out of the way, nursey nurse, nurse." <laughs> exactly. I I decided on triscuits instead of wheat thins today. So we've established now that we have a registered nurse as a dietitian, but we also have a registered nurse on the staff yeah. as well. 
But, but so. Yeah, because Mrs. Garrett is not the nurse, the school no. nurse. No. Mrs. Garrett says, Tootie, you call the ambulance. I'm going to go to her, I think is what ends up happening. But it's... Blair calls the ambulance. That's right. What you said. Yeah. I don't care. Um, <laughs> we get to commercial. We go to commercial. So sad. Yeah. So now we're back in... On the edge of our seat. Yeah. Because it's like... What's Ugh. going to happen? Um, and then we go to commercial... Quickly, name a commercial from the time or a commercial for something that you think of. Okay, I've been thinking about this. Oh, boy. Because I've listened to other ones. Um, and critiqued them extensively <laughs> when we've spoken, but, but we won't talk about that. Um, and I don't know. See, here's the thing. I don't know if it was just a Fort Wayne thing, but the Dairy Queen commercials. The, the peanut buster par fart? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. I am a... Not a small man because I love to eat. And even as a child, I was diabetic as a kid. So like going to Dairy Queen just didn't happen. And Mm -hmm. if it did, it was like me standing in front of the menu for hours going, okay, this is my once a year Dairy Queen. What do I want? Like, And it would just anxiety. Um, So, which is oftentimes why I don't go out to restaurants because... Anyway, oh. um, food is so important to me. Like, I want to enjoy it. They're like, try something new. I'm like, what if I don't like it? You know? Yeah. Anyway, so the Dairy Queen commercials of the 80s had, like, this chocolate world with a chocolate river that, the, like, what? The, the banana split that was so perfectly made um, out of Elmer's glue or whatever, you know, they make food oh. out of, would, like, float down the river. And I wanted to live in that world. I want to go to there. I wanted to go to there. So the Dairy Queen commercials from the early 80s were big for me. Okay. Um, I am not familiar. Yeah. And because, yeah, because Dairy Queen, well, I mean, you say, well, Dairy Queen was a franchise. Everything, McDonald's is a franchise. Yeah. But yeah, Dairy Queen was a little more regional. We had one in Brockton, Massachusetts. There's one on every corner in Fort Wayne. Yeah. And I can't believe, like, down here in Florida, Mm-mm. There's like two that I know of. Yeah. And when mm-hmm. I see him, I'm like, oh, bitch. Guess yeah. who's going to the DQ? Oh, I, I do it too. <laughs> I, I worked at the Dairy Queen growing up. We, we've discussed. Yeah, we, and the, uh, yeah, beat, beat your meat with a oh, peanut yeah. buster parfart. With fart. a blizzard. Beat your meat with a blizzard, Beat David. your meat with a blizzard. <laughs> you can't put two jokes. The peanut buster parfart was a joke all by itself. I'm sorry. You got to. Even as a teenager, I knew that. <laughs> So, but we had friendlies on every corner. Friendly was a New England thing. So uh, similarly, it was like there was the Dairy Queen Mm -hmm. because you didn't need to go there. You had fucking friendlies where you could get yourself a Jim Dandy or a... uh, Is that Fudgy the Whale? uh, No, that's Carvel. Uh, (laughs) Fudgy the Whale. Fudgy the Whale. Who thought that up? (laughs) A a very large queen (laughs) who was a power bottom... And uh, we, we need not expound on that description. He needs a friend. Cocky puss! <laughs> Fudgy the whale and cocky puss! Yeah, it's like some queen pulled a fast one, as, as Harvey Firestein would say. <laughs> some queen said, oh, that'd be great. You think cocky puss would be good? Name? Oh, yeah, that's great. That's a completely... Uh, Kobe, yeah. Completely you know, your, fa- your puss thing. on your face, you know, look at that. What, why do you have such a sour puss? You cookie know? puss. So it's a cookie on the face. So it's a cookie puss. It has, it has nothing to do with vagina. Not at all with eating out a lady in her massive bush. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Well, she has a baby at Macmillan Health Center. <laughs> Thankfully, the baby had a scythe where it was able to hack oh, its way through oh. the thicket of pubes to... Like Ponce de Leon when they landed in Florida. It was <laughs> just, get out the machete, kid. <laughs> oh, Lord. So the Dairy Queen commercials were big. Okay, me. well, um, thank you. I'll, I'll see if I can find that, too. and I will post it on the, on the website. <laughs> so now we're back from commercial. We're in the kitchen, and... Um, Cynthia. First line back from commercial. Mrs. Garrett up on a ladder in the closet. Joe, I found more nuts. <laughs> As the kids are busying themselves by making brownies. Making fudge. Fudge. Making fudge. Joe. Gay reference number 17. A and bag 18. of fucking nuts. nuts. Joe, I found more nuts. So we can pack them into that fudge a little later. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just made you snarf your big gulp. <laughs> if I can make Matthew laugh like oh, that, God. that's a win. That is such a win. <laughs> oh, oh sweet Jesus. So they're making this fudge because apparently Cynthia likes fudge. And so this is a, we're doing this to make her feel better because what we have learned is that Cindy is still a, a Cynthia, not to be confused with Cindy. We couldn't come up with a new girl's name. We had a Cindy in the previous season that we got rid of, and now we have a Cynthia. Mm-hmm. Thank, nice. Gee, I why have did... that under my missed opportunities. Okay. You, why? You, you wanted to call her Suicidia. No, I wanted them to use a girl from season one that they knew. <gasps> oh. I thought it, because it was really hard to have a touchstone. Oh. And hard to, and I, I mean. You I, wouldn't, you don't think that would have been devastating if they like killed off Molly? To who? To, to the audience, to be like. Yes. Okay, you want the, okay. Because the audience leaves this episode not really feeling anything because we've lost a character we've never met. Yeah. Never seen, don't know anything about. If they had brought wow. Suzanne back and or Tumpy. her or Tumpy. Tumpy. Or, you know, I think it would have. Or Helen Helen Hunt. God, we could have. <laughs> it would have added a layer. She could have jumped out the window after the angel dust. That, I think they could have. I think they could have. But no, you're right. I mean, you're the, deeper, the, so I, to speak. The impact, I agree. Exponentially better. I just feel like. Whoa, that's a big deal. But they're not they're not regular characters anymore. Right. They're but, not. You could have killed off Nancy or well, and when I say killed off, I'm sorry, spoiler alert, dear listeners, if you haven't seen the show. Um the girls at the moment are thinking that that she's just unconscious, but the phone rings in the kitchen. Sidebar. Mm-hmm. There's a phone in the fucking kitchen. Mm-hmm. And the girls have to use a payphone in the parlor. Yeah. So you don't think that they're ever sneaking phone calls in that kitchen phone. I feel like that kitchen phone may not always be there. I have to watch that every single episode now to the end of season four, you realize. No, it's in there because she gets the that's the that's the phone that she gets the call from um what's his guts when she decides to quit Eastland and go to um Oh Raymond? Her son Raymond? No, she gets the phone call from the headmaster. Oh, Mr. Parker. Mr. Parker about Yeah. What? You want Asian food now? And like Oh, that's right. And she's and she's recording like a tape. Oh, you heard it. Raymond. Raymond. So Um That's right. So the phone is there. You're right. It is there later. You're welcome. 
Yeah, <laughs> important shit, people. But you're right. The girls have to go to the parlor yep. to make their. It's like on the phone, and that's where they're allowed to receive calls. Interesting. So you wonder, do the dorms? I guess the dorms would have had a payphone in the hallway, probably. Kind of a thing. Though the dorm in season one, that was just a regular old princess, you know, you're regular right. phone. They they didn't have to pay when Roger when Nancy be on the phone with Roger. That was just a regular phone phone. Hmm. What the fuck? Facts of life. Well, they're on probation. I, I guess they're they've got to be punished. Come over the corner, um, make a person to person call. Yeah. So the phone rings and news does come that unfortunately Cynthia did not survive, and she. Um, I heard somebody once say that the proper term to use nowadays is she completed suicide. Ooh. Have you heard that? No, I don't. I'm like horrified. The word. Yeah, I don't like the word. I don't. I don't even like saying that people died. Um, <clears throat> what, what do you say? I say they left. Oh, they left. Yep. Okay. When I talk about my grandma. When your grandma left. When my grandma left. Oh, okay. Interesting. I tend to, um, I say passed away a lot. Mm-hmm. But there are times when, you know, among friends, I'll just say in passing, oh, this was, oh, that was, this is before Stacy died. So she was over when we were making cookies or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll throw that out there. And every time you say it, it goes through me like a knife. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm Anytime sorry. Anytime anybody says it. Oh, about Stacy or just the word died? Um, about Stacy. Okay. All right. Well, we won't do that then. Um, but the but thing I is, understand that it's part of people's lexicon. It's not like I'm like you can't use the word cherry blossom around me. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, Niagara Falls right. vaudeville routine there. Um. So thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Um. So the thing is. Um, yeah, anyhow, we, so to use your term, we, we find out Cynthia has left, that Cynthia did not come out of her unconscious state. Back to the term completed suicide. I heard that on a podcast that's very politically correct, Mm -hmm. very into its gender neutral pronouns and fluid pansexual free range. Like us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, except in the- sensitive. Sensitive. Anyhow, but the term I heard was completed suicide. And I'm like, I just, yeah. that, that sounds like, no, that sounds like it's a project that they've been actively working on their entire life. And to me, suicide is the opposite of that. To me, it's getting to a point where based on the incorrect processing of information that you have no other option, mm-hmm. that ending it is the only option that you have that to me isn't completing that's that seems to me so more spur of the moment so not ugh. anyhow it's i hate that like term putting... i hope it doesn't catch on i hope it's i hope i'm wrong that that's well, becoming a thing yeah it's almost like trying to put it like it sounds like it's trying to put a positive spin on like no. she was successful in her attempt yeah to commit suicide to end her life you know? yeah, yeah so. no fuck that mm. fuck that no like that. but um so that's bad news Joe very quickly kind of becomes the sort of, not the naysayer, but she's the person who is blunt about it. She's like, happens, you know, people kill themselves. My friend, you know, my friend Gloria did it by jumping out of a window. So Joe reveals, not that she's emotionally particularly hurt by this, but she does say that she has a friend who had killed herself. Um, And Mrs. Garrett quickly... um, in, in pamphlet mode. Oh, no. Teenage suicides happen every day. And, uh, 
And um, so it's, yeah. Anyhow, it's the bad news that, uh, that Cynthia has left. So then we're in the final scene of the show. It's Cynthia's room. And the girls and Mrs. Garrett, for some reason, are the people packing up her things. Again, if this had been a girl from season one that we knew, oh. this scene could have been oh. monumentally You are so right. I did not I had not even thought of that. And speaking of season one, this is not a dorm room we have ever seen before. I was gonna ask you about that. It is not the dorm room from season one. It's not Mrs. Garrett's room from season one. Nope, not that ugly. <laughs> And it's not... Um, there were no sombreros. No. <laughs> but there was... Um, no, we did... Oh, crap. My, my brain is getting so scrambled because I've been banking shows. And so I've been watching... Because of this episode being so sensitive and wanting to pick the right person and coordinate the time, I'm, I've gotten a little ahead of myself. And there is an episode where... Is it a... Is it, a, is it a zebra, a penguin, a giraffe, a panda? There's some type of a stuffed animal in the room, in the girl's room now, has a fucking sombrero on its head. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? I feel like it's, um, I feel like it's the show that Heather Delmott did, mm. which is still yet to come, but it's already I in can't wait for that. the past, it's already in the past tense here. So yeah, my brain is jumbled right now because i'm busy doing a show busy i'm busy and i'm about to have i think four or five shows banked that i gotta fucking edit quickly um i know tragedy of my life heavy hangs the head that wears the sombrero (laughs) (laughs) Uh, good thing i love it as much as i do so why mrs garrett and the girls are the ones packing up cynthia's stuff we will never know so we can get then get to um uh, Another oh, oh, oh. missed opportunity. Her parents could have been there. You could have seen the to show teenagers the look on a parent's face when mm-hmm. they have to deal with that. Yeah, like, and I know it's a sitcom. It's an '80s sitcom. We can't get too deep, but yeah, they could have had the parents there cleaning up and show you the devastation that something like yeah. this causes. Yeah, and uh, to finish out the thing, the, the point about the room is that. This is not a room like uh, Tumpy and mm-hmm. what's her names in in the Dope episode who live in a different dorm. So this is a completely different room that looks like no other room we have ever seen anywhere else right. at Eastland. I totally agree that the parents could have. It might have been weird introducing some characters that late, and but there are actors out there that could totally have pulled it off. I mean, absolutely. Um, so then we get to. Um, Blair says something about, you know, the typical things that go through. And we went through this too. That she was, she had so much going for her. She was so pretty. She was so young. She had everything. And um, and Joe comes back with, you should have told her that. And, you know, that's that's somewhat off base. That's not completely it's right. It's very 1980s sitcom advice. Advice about how to prevent a suicide. Tell them, Yeah. But um, so True enough. But that was my other missed opportunity. Not once did they mention Cynthia's mental health. No, not once. No, it was All because they... her parents were getting divorced. Her parents it was were getting she divorced. Moved around. She couldn't get used to a couch. She could. She was always moving around. She didn't have friends. It was everything except her mental health. Exactly. And that is what I've had the hardest time dealing with. Is nothing could have stopped what happened. True. Because Nothing. 
because it was all, it was in Stacy's head. It's nothing. We want to believe something externally. One of us could have stopped it, that one of us could have saved our friend. But the fact is, it's, you know, it's, it's a brain. It is a brain in a compromised state of being. And it's, yeah, it is. Again, they missed opportunity. Mm Mm-hmm. Very, very true. And um, they do allude to the fact that it's it's sort of discovered in this that the mother is living in Nevada while the father is going to be a diplomat in Germany. So that's when they go, Blair says, well, no one lives in Nevada uh, unless they're, you know, gambling or unless they're Wayne Newton or they're getting a divorce. And it's like, oh, they, her parents were getting a divorce. That's what's going on. Great. Thank you, Facts of Life, for trying to give us a little bit of something. That is certainly something that could have been a contributing factor, but it's not the fault of the parents getting a divorce. It's how the child is taking it. It wasn't an external thing that made her want to end it all. Um, Dana Gould, who has a podcast that I admire and would love to think this one aspires to be one kabillionth as brilliant, he has he has some dark stuff in his life that he's talked about and um he said one time they were he was talking with a guest about it and in passing he just said what he said people who commit suicide don't want to die people who commit suicide just want to end the pain that's it's not an issue of you know i want to die i this will show them this will you know this will get back at them it's it's the no other solution uh, Heather Leonardi, another friend of ours who has been uh, so incredibly forthright and upfront about her own mental health issues and her own uh, suicidal issues, she wrote, um, I, I think the quote is attributed to, who is the, shit, who's the writer, the, the End of the Tour. The movie The End of the Tour is about this writer. Um, but what he writes about is, and I'll post this on the website, it's a quote talking about we are the people on the ground and we're looking up at our friend who is standing on a ledge and we are saying, don't jump. Why are you on the ledge? Why are you even contemplating jumping? Jumping is silly. What are you going to accomplish by that? What is the matter with you? And why would you do this to yourself and to us? But what you don't understand is to the person standing on the ledge, the building is on fire. They aren't jumping because they want to do something to us, or even because they want to do something to themselves, they think this is the only thing they can do. And a lot of people, I think, find themselves in a position where they truly have convinced themselves that this will be better for everyone. Mm -hmm. This will be better for Mm -hmm. everyone if I'm not here, if I'm out of the situation. Everyone will be better off without me. Yeah. And go ahead. David Foster Wallace is mm. the writer that I'm talking about. I'll find that quote. I will post it. But yeah. It's... And the best thing I got out of some therapy after Stacy left was that they told the, the person told me, and I have often shared this, um, suicide does not end pain. Mm. It transfers it. Oh, wow. So while Stacy may not be in pain anymore, I am for the we rest are. of my life. We are. So and all of us will um, be. So thanks a lot, Stace. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> How dare you? Um, <laughs> and she would be the first to laugh at that. Yeah. I assure you. Um, no, that's very true. 
And that's it. And it's, they, they again, they want to be out of pain. They want to end the pain. It's not that I want to die. Mm-hmm. I want to inflict something. That's the last thing Stacy ever would have dreamed or wanted to do. And um, it's just, yeah. So right now, trying to allude to the fact that um, Cynthia's parents getting a divorce, that's a little reductive, a little oversimplistic. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that if it's, oh, that's why she was so down. That's why there were times I heard her crying. We, Most of the people who knew Stacy knew this bright, bubbly light that shone so brightly and led laughter and joined laughter. I One of the qualities I loved so much about Stacy was how comfortable she always was in telling me funny things that I said that made her laugh. And she would remind me of things that I'd forgotten I'd said. And she was so generous with that. That's who Stacy was. We know since she left us from other friends, you yourself have told me things that I didn't know about because you were closer to her than I was. But there were cradling a person in a fetal position, just sobbing uncontrollably. We know there were depression issues that she never, to the general public, the people who did a show or two with her, and even the majority of us who worked with her didn't know was there. And and that's, that's a testament to what a great fucking actress she was. And equal parts. There was time when I was in a pretty dark place and I remember getting a text and her saying, I'm coming over. Mm. And I was like, honey, I'm not good company. Yeah. I, I haven't showered. Mm-hmm. And well, you never she texted do. back and she said, don't care. Yeah, <laughs> and when she yeah. got there, I remember she said, you wouldn't let me sit here like this. And she goes, and I don't care if you talk. I don't care whatever. She goes, here's a frosty. I'm just going to sit here on the couch. Aww. That's that's. And then I don't have a friend that does that anymore. So mm. well, anyways. A <sighs> couple so, more laugh track, inappropriate laugh jokes. Yeah, we, this one. we do get a couple of laughs in this scene in this room. No, not, we don't. They put them in there. I, I really don't think so, Matthew. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not. I don't mean like, like they, there's they wrote, nothing funny, but there is laughter in this yeah, scene. I, I, I don't think they they put a recorded laugh track no. on. They put in jokes yeah. or things that and, would kind and a, of... And a sign turned on that said laughter. Laugh, And like bitches. four people in the audience were like... Uncomfortable. <laughs> 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 Suicide joke. Uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and the words come out, it's not fair, she had no right. I think Tootie says that. Because Tootie's broken up because she's got this necklace, which mm. we are about to... From her dear friend that we've never met. Yeah. Because she brought her cinnamon toast. Yep. Yeah. There's And someone says, there's got to be a reason... Um, and that was one of, for me, one of the most important things. We did have a grief counselor come into work, uh, after Stacy left where, uh, the grief counselor was wonderful. Just this wonderful older earth mother, calming Mrs. Garrett type. She was a fucking Mrs. Garrett, but like a hippie Mrs. Garrett. Like you think, I think she lived in a tree stump somewhere with a Keebler elf elf or something she but, gave me essential oils <laughs> did she mm-hmm. wow i believe that yeah and and a lot of pot <laughs> <laughs> that i'm kidding um and she said uh, a couple of beautiful things and at one point and she said 
you, he goes, he goes, it's very common to want to understand the story, to know what happened, to find reasons why. And she said, you have to understand this is Stacy's story. This is not your story. And ultimately, we as people have a desperate desire to understand and make sense of things. And right now, part of what we're going through is a desperate need to know what is unknowable. And, and we will never know. And that to me is one of the hardest things to deal with is that over time it gets easier. You know, the day-to-day is easier and stuff. But when, when we talk about it, when we get into stuff like this, that's where there's still... Um, to have the, the handprint she left on the world so prominent and so beautiful and positive, and yet for there to have such a huge question mark lingering over that is, it's one of those, uh, I've never felt more like a human being. I've never felt more like, fuck, this is adulthood. This is really being human. The fact that we have to just throw our hands up in the air and say, I can't put any more energy into trying to figure out why this happened because I have to accept I will never know. So we get back to the scene and Mrs. Garrett does get into, we start getting into our public service message now, Mm -hmm. that there are signals. And if you're ever, you know, there's so much pressure on you girls to achieve, to succeed. Especially you, Blair. Yeah. do everything. Yeah. To, um fit in and to grow up and and she said if you ever and you girls are lucky you can talk to each other and you have me also and i think it's natalie who says yeah but you know sometimes mrs garrett we do just want to talk to our own people like sometimes you old bitch you ain't gonna get it sometimes joe wants to talk to another carpet muncher (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh lordy so they hit upon they hit upon this idea of, well, maybe we could come up with something for kids who want to talk or for who need to talk. And it's like, you mean something like a hotline that they could call? And they said, Mrs. Garrett, do you think you have time to help us set something like that up? She's like, I'll make time. <laughs> oh, the weirdest line reading she's ever done in the whole show. True. I'll make time. And and it's like, well, you're really busy, Mrs. Garrett. <laughs> Nursing and flying your planes and dietitianing and fucking Howard. Did you know this? What? Did you? Paul Padilla says that later down the road, she's like, oh, and Howard's already done. We've we've already had the last Howard episode. The chef? Yeah. he's. I think he was only in for four or mm-hmm. five shows. And later, Mrs. Garrett says, oh, well, when I, when I was dating Howard, it was hard for him because I was his boss. We're all like. It was hard for him. <laughs> Stop. Stop. It'd be hard for me, wouldn't it? But the thing is, <laughs> we're, you know, in hindsight, it's like. Girl, you, I'll make the time. I don't know. You you have to keep up your registered nurse and teach your sex ed classes and, and keep your beauty shop makeup tips for the girls. And I, I mean, and still you go back to the Drummonds on the weekends. I know. And clean the hair out of Dana Plato's shower. I know uh-huh. you. <laughs> uh-huh. So anyhow. Put some cocoa butter on Arnold. 
Stop. <laughs> oh, no. What? Oh, Lordy. So we hit upon this nice idea, certainly nice in concept, to say we should set up a, a suicide hotline, a line where you can call if you need to talk. Now, here's a weird thing. Was there a national suicide prevention hotline at this point? Did that exist? Let's find out. And Are you insinuating that the facts of life started the national suicide prevention hotline? According to Wikipedia, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which I will say this number again at the end of this, is... For eight, silent credits. For silent credits, yeah. 800-273-TALK, which is... 8255. Thank you, sir. It was established in... 2004? Are you fucking kidding me? And they will also take text. Oh, do they, oh, they take mm-hmm. text to that you number? You can text them. As well. That's good to know. I, uh, I wonder, was it just not called this or something? Wait a minute, wait a minute. There's no... I think uh, there was like things like growing up, like the nine line, one nine 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 You could call anywhere and it didn't show up on your phone oh. bill and stuff. Because, I mean, you have to remember before 2013 or 2003 or whatever... Your dad would get a phone bill every month that had every phone That's number right. that was called. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, and yeah. he would go through it. So yeah. it was, the, um, yeah, we had the nine line growing up. I called that a couple times. Did a you? Kid. Yeah. Wow. Gay kid in Indiana? Yeah, I needed somebody to talk to. Okay, well, I, again, I'm <laughs> so I'm Massachusetts. It wasn't, I'm not, I'm not saying it was easy, but right. I know I had it a lot easier than most kids. Um but yeah, 2004, according to Wikipedia, is when the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline was formed. I'm, I feel like, I feel like when I was younger, mm-hmm. some type of, like you said, some yeah. other things. Maybe those were just local. I guess maybe it was never a national thing. Yeah. Anyway, that is the phone number. I'm going to say it again at the end of the show during the during the bumper. But the final moment, we have to have our emotional moment where Tootie, before they're ready to go, Tootie says, "Wait one second. I forgot something. And earlier, Tootie had sort of said, should I send this necklace back to the family? And it's like, well, she gave it to you. I don't want it anymore. Well, at the end, Tootie takes the necklace back out. And during that, that beautiful, that beautiful sitcom, empty studio, white noise, where you might hear, <clears throat> you might hear a, a cleared throat or a someone breathe or I don't know, a program shuffle. I don't know the mm-hmm. programs, but you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about, yeah. where it's it's the sound of sitcom silence, mm-hmm. which is a great name for a band or something. And during this, Tootie takes and puts the necklace on, and then Mrs. Garrett walks over and hugs her, and they walk out. And the thing I did not quite plan for, the thing I wasn't prepared for, which I think was kind of nice and got the tears flowing for me, was... Mrs. Garrett turning out the light. Mm-hmm. Very dramatic ending. <clears throat> and it being in, you know, mostly darkness. And with that, again, that same silence. That person's stuff. And that person's stuff. And, you know, no no clap track, just silent credits. I was awkwardly waiting for 
the slow clap like the end of the oh, show clap yeah because I mean, even like in death of a salesman at the end of the show There's people applause. start clapping you know <laughs> like but yeah i was wait i'm so glad that they didn't though because there were enough inappropriate no. laughs in the show but it, look at it like this and maybe this will make you feel better it's my favorite thing about sitcoms mm-hmm. is how they turn off lights Oh yeah, because they never can just flip a switch. No, they because have to, that light hand. is not attached to the exactly. The thing. Yeah, and it's all about they may be turning off a lamp, but the whole studio's got to go dark. Yeah, so it's like it's a light a too. very slow. I'm covering the light, so like yeah. in Greece when she's in the when oh oh my god, Joan Blondell, she completely misses the day yes! thing with her elbow right, right before beauty school dropout. Joan Blondell is turning out the lights, and at one point she's like a, a foot, foot away. <laughs> That light and you hear click <laughs> and the lights go and they're on. like that was the best take we got we no. didn't get a better take we got Joan, Joan Blondell on her feet they were good they would call it a win so it's one of those you know for its intent and for a season two show with all of these very special every episodes every episode is a very special episode and, and they're but I think they're succeeding I still think they're succeeding we yeah, probably the missed opportunity. The biggest missed opportunity here was the, she's the girl who's running against Blair and she's got everything, but to also And she bring, needs Blair. She's the first girl to beat Blair. At some yeah, point. and she, that's it. She's so. beat Blair. But she's nice and benevolent. She's not another cunt <gasps> sparring at Blair and looking down on... And so, oh, so, oh, did I offend your delicate sensibilities, Matthew? <laughs> well, excuse the fuck out of me. Wow. <laughs> but the thing is... Um, yeah, so she's benevolent. She is liked. If they had brought out some type of a darker side earlier on, that might have given a clue. Again, wanting explanations where there is none, but that is, at the very least, the only bit of comfort we have with Stacy is thinking, well, we know she did have mental health issues. And she was very forthcoming about them. Mm. She was like, I'm in therapy. Everybody should be in therapy. And and I I say that too now I'm never I never really felt a big stigma or shame about being in therapy, mm-hmm. and you know it's just like you know and I'm now that I've been in therapy for 13 years I now have only a third as many Oreos a day as I used to have, <laughs> um, so that at least that would have at the very least we have that to cling on to was not that. You just zip up your fly. And my fly falls down sometimes. I'm sorry. That's, that that was just it. when you eat Oreos like that. So stop <laughs> eating Oreos like that. Let's see. Was that? Were you sure that was an accident, too? It's like making me watch how many M and M's he can get in his mouth. <laughs> Jesus. And they're the All peanut right. M and M's they got. Anyway. Okay. So. I, there were little points about Stacy that I wanted to make, and I hoped and prayed that this wouldn't journey into the excessively sad, morose, and maudlin. Are there any other points about her? Any other things? Rob Zeiser, on an earlier episode, we talked about her briefly, and he always said she had um, she had the spirit of a child, but the laugh of a devil. And I, I love that. That's a great way to describe her. Anything to add of your own that we haven't? That just... Nope. Just we... Just stuff that is mine. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. Well... Uh, like I said, we've already shed a few tears before we started recording. I think we might have a couple more to go, but, uh, we miss our girl. And, um, I knew this episode might be a little tough to get through, but, uh, but we did. And, uh, she, 
She is gone, but not forgotten. Love you, Stace. We love you, Stace. And there you have it. That was Matthew Arder, and that was our tribute to our dear departed friend, Stacy. Stacy Fulford was 29 years old when she ended her life on December 28, 2017. And as Matthew said, it feels like such a cliche to talk about how amazing she was, how talented she was, what, uh, what a light she brought into every room when she walked into it. It's, it's just terrible. Nothing you can say scratches the surface of what a person means to you. Words, words just fail. Anyway, I'll post a lot of pictures of her on the website, so you might maybe get a little tiny glimpse as a person who tries to find silver linings or <laughs> desperately needs good, positive things to cling to in a time of crisis. Um, for me personally, an interesting thing I've noticed in, in myself, me, is that whenever I talk about her to people, if I start crying, I never apologize for it. That's a big thing for me. I'm a very apologist person. But when it comes to Stacy, I refuse to ever be sorry for mourning her or or to not allow myself to display that that losing her makes me sad. It's like, fuck that. No. And that's a very weird gift to realize that she gave me in the process of this. But yeah, I, I fucking miss her. And I've, as a result, been forced to be more vulnerable around others. And it's oddly, I think, made me a little stronger. Very, very weird. Um, on a bigger scale, one thing that has been kind of nice is, particularly for those of us who worked together and worked with her, we've all been really good about checking in with each other and supporting each other, sending the odd text, and just taking the opportunity to explicitly show our love for each other and hold each other just a little bit closer. And, you know, and getting back to the to the cliches, here we go. It's that thing of in a time of crisis, that's when people draw together closer and really show what they're made of and all that stuff. And I didn't want to go there. That's kind of where it landed. Anyhow, it's just, it's still difficult. And we all still miss our friend. And thank you so much for giving me the chance to uh, pay tribute to her through this show. As we stated in the show, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-TALK. That's 273-8255. So back to our regular business. Next week, I'm going to be watching Season 2, Episode 11, called Sex Symbol. And my special guest is going to be Angie Sardinia. Check out our website, facethefactspod.com, for pictures, videos, links to social media, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. Those links are also on the website. And of course, go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review. That really helps. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you.